Hi, and welcome to a special episode of Talking Tanks. This is Keystone, and I'm joined by Matthew. Say hi, Matthew. Hello. We're here to talk to the new players joining us from the PlayStation 4. The PlayStation 4 version is still in beta currently, but we expect it to be launching pretty soon. Matthew and I thought it would be nice to go back and think about what it would be like if we were starting the game at this point as new players, um, and just give some advice to people joining our community right now. Uh, So, with that in mind, um, we're going to touch on a couple things today. We're going to touch on basically just like getting oriented to the game a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about what you should try and do as a player, and we're also going to talk about some content that you won't want to miss, namely premium tanks that will appear uh, that you we advise that you snag if you have the ability to do that. All right, well, let's get right into it. Um, so, Matthew, when we're both Xbox players, um, and when we started, we only had, like, three nations, basically, and if we if we both started in beta, when there were only two nations, um, and uh, so we had much more limited options. But right now, the game has seven nations. So if you were able to go, sort of go back in time, or if you were able to start as a PlayStation 4 um, player, uh, what would you maybe do a little bit differently? Well, I can imagine this making me extremely unpopular, but the... I would completely ignore all of the British tanks because they're not worth playing. I would completely ignore the Japanese tanks because they're not worth playing. I would completely ignore the Chinese tanks because there's like two good ones and the others are just copies of Soviet tanks. I would completely ignore the American tanks because they're boring. Uh, I would ignore the German tanks because they are ugly. And uh, what do we have left? The French and the Russians? (laughs) Yeah, you have the French and the Russians left. Well, I would play the French because their higher tier autoloaders are a lot of fun. And I would play the Russians because uh, pretty much all of their tank lines have some good tanks somewhere in them. Mm -hmm. And they do not have as many lines that have a large number of bad tanks in them. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, that's your perspective on it. Um, And certainly people are going to do what they want to do. I I agree with some of what you're saying. Um... So, Keystone, I'm assuming that you're not willing to just throw five-sevenths of the content under a bus. What would you recommend to PS4 players? (laughs) Well, I'm with you on uh, avoiding the Japanese tanks. Um, Or at least not... uh, not focusing on them for a number of reasons. Um, like, I agree with you that there aren't very many enjoyable tanks in the Japanese line, and some people will will disagree with that. But, like, that's my feeling. Like, I don't really enjoy those tanks. But the big thing is that the Japanese only have one premium tank, which means that I'm kind of limited in terms of grinding crews out if I, if I choose to. And that's, like, sort of my M.O., um... I want to have, you know, three or four premium tanks, uh, like for every nation that I'm going to play so that I can pretty quickly just focus on grinding crew skills out. Um, uh, new players aren't really going to fully understand that, but like later on when you, 
when you get an idea of what crew grinding looks like, it's much easier to do with a stable of um, of premium tanks in a given nation. If if we were to make an aside here, at the moment there's only the Japanese medium tanks. If and when they add the Japanese heavy tanks, we might reevaluate that because it's just that at the moment there's only one line of tanks. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. Um, so the Chinese, I, I disagree with you on that. And I'm, I, I find it funny because you really are good in the Japanese, I'm sorry, in the Chinese lights. Uh, so it sort of surprises me that you're like kind of writing that nation off. I, I think it's, it's pretty good. I mean, the, up to tier five, it's not so great, but at tier six, it starts to get interesting. Anyway, um, so I like the Chinese and I've got, uh, three Chinese premiums now, um, for what it's worth. Um, but I don't know that I would start there. Uh, cause again, their, their premium options are pretty limited and you'd actually have to sink a substantial amount of money into those premiums. Um, even if they're on sale in order to, to have three Chinese premiums. So, um, maybe forget about that. And additionally, all of their tanks are just like the Soviet tanks, except most of them were worse. Yeah. Well, they're, there's just different. I mean, you can say they're worse, but that's kind of subjective, but like they're better in certain ways. Like they might have better mobility, but worse armor. So there's that. I mean, um, anyway, uh, now the Americans, I think the Americans are great. Um, I really like the American lines. There's a lot of premium options from tier five and below. Um, and you'll see those premium tanks at 50% off periodically. We're not talking about on a monthly basis. We're talking about once or twice a year. Wargaming tends to put premium tanks that are in the tech tree, not rares, but that are in the tech tree at 50% off. Um, and at that point they become a very good value. Uh, so, I like the Americans, and I think it's a very forgiving line. We've talked about that in our uh, our proper new player guide, um, and uh, yeah, they're they're just sort of all arounders. Uh, the Germans, the German tech tree is a big, big kind of mess. I wouldn't do it initially, um, but because uh, they're a little hard for newer players to play. But I would still play the Germans, and they've got a good good offering of premium tanks. Um, so you kind of left it at like the Russian and the French. And I don't know that that's like a great, like that that's where I'd start. I mean, definitely the Russians, I would absolutely start with the Russians. I would probably start with the Russians and Americans uh, myself. Um, and I'd go down like the American medium line and maybe the Russian TD line, uh, the two, six, eight line. I think those are the two things I would probably do first if I was a brand new player um, starting over again. Um, and the British are, I don't, I don't agree with you on like the British being worthless. Um, <laughs> the British tanks. I'm not, I'm not sure I literally said that the British are worthless. Uh, this is the part in the podcast where I actually rewind. <laughs> And insert the part where Matthew's going, no, the British are literally worthless. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you said something to the effect of they're... I think you said they're all terrible, which... I would have mentioned the tanks, not the British. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, re I didn't realize we're 
I wasn't talking about the British people. I was talking about their tanks. Um, and I don't agree with that anyway. Um, they're... There are some interesting tanks in, in the British tech tree. Um, but, yeah. and but, but Keystone, there are no premium tanks, and we know that's what's most important to you. Well, there are premium tanks in the British tech tree. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there are, there are several, not as many as I'd like, but there are several premium tanks in the British tech tree, and so you can grind out... Um, can grind out crews with those uh so yeah i think we we're in agreement like focusing on two nations regardless of what those nations are um like starting out with just a few nations is probably a good idea you're only gonna play for like even if you made playing tanks a full-time job and played for in excess of 12 hours a day which is more than a full-time job obviously um you still couldn't play that many battles a day so uh, one thing to keep in mind is at a certain point, having more than, like, my estimate is, if you have more than 30 tanks in your garage, you shouldn't try and run through all of them on a, on a given day. That, that's just not practical. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind, too. All right. I, I think we sort of, we sort of got that, right? I mean. Yes. All Keystone cares about is premium tanks, and all Matthew thinks is that everyone that isn't British or Russian is worthless. <laughs> Uh, you said French or Russian. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> French or Russian. <laughs> so English-speaking French people. <laughs> uh, you mean Les Quebecois? Yes, there you go. Um, if you were just starting playing now, would you, like, would you rush up to a particular tier? Would you make your goal to get to, like, tier 7 or tier 10 or something uh, as quickly as possible? Would you make that your goal, or would you try and focus on something else? Uh, no, I don't think that rushing is a very good idea. Usually what I like to do is, like, rush, if you like, to Tier 5, but only because the first, like, Tier 1, 2, 3, and 4 are very easy to grind through, and in terms of, like, absolute experience needed. Although, if you're a new player, it might actually be hard to do, but... Once you get to tier 5, it just stops being so practical to, you know, grind entirely through a tank and start the next one. So at that point, I would want to just, like, have several different tanks that I progressed slowly in at the same time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, once you get to tier 5, you, you might run into the situation where you have enough experience to unlock the next tank, but you don't have enough silver to proceed with it. Um, and so then you're in a situation where you're, you're just playing to make silver and that's fine, but, um, you should be aware of that. Um, another thing is that below tier five, you, you'll find it's survivable to have a crew that doesn't have what are known as perks and skills. Um, but above tier five, it becomes very difficult to play, against people who um, who are veterans of the game who might have seven perks and skills on their tanks um, if you have if you have none um, so I would say get up to tier five and then play until you have a nice war chest of silver and um, you've got four perks on the crew that you you want to advance beyond tier five um, 
and I, I think we're in agreement. Like I would almost always go with um, Brothers in Arms and Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense first, then Brothers in Arms. And then for my third, it'd probably be Repairs. And then the fourth, it's, you know, it depends on the tank, maybe Camouflage or um, Snapshot. Um, there are a number of different options, but I, I'd sort of want to... I would want to wait until you've got... Um, a crew that has six cents because if you don't have that um you're you're at a significant disadvantage um i think it's interesting that you imply that we agree on that but we don't uh, at all Oh, okay um i mean for one thing i have like tier eights that i don't have four perks on mm -hmm. um i mean i am perfectly happy to be playing like tier sevens or eights that only have one skill on them and, and what's that one I skill would not usually six cents mm -hmm. i usually would not pick brothers in arms until like fifth huh so you'd want repairs though repairs camo of the range perk or uh one of the uh aim time reduction perks there are a lot of things that are much more valuable to me than brothers in arms huh even with something like a heavy tank, you'd uh, you want camo over brothers in arms or whatever you want a different perk. Heavy tanks have extremely limited options on what skills are actually useful for them, but most of them I would probably prefer the view the uh, aim time reduction perks because the heavy tanks I like usually have bad aim times. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I I can see that. So it comes down a, a bit of that comes down to personal preference. Brothers in arms is never bad. It's not a useless um, perk to to train, um, but regardless, um, I mean, and I, what you said there is is valid. Like um, having having perks and skills on a crew above tier five isn't essential, um, but it, you're going to find it a lot less frustrating if you've got like, you know, if you're playing a tank destroyer and you've got. Sixth Sense, Camouflage, Muffled Shot, and Green Thumb. You're going to have a much more successful time playing the game than you will if you don't have um, a, a single perk or skill. Um, I wouldn't know. I don't have any tank destroyers that have all of those skills. Really? I might have it on like one of my tier 10s that I never play, but yeah. That surprises me, Matthew. But okay. I think you've got it on your T-67 crew. Mm, I don't have all of them. I think I have a couple. Okay. Uh, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's it's fine. If you're coming from PC and um, you're unfamiliar with the crew system on Xbox, what we just described might sound daunting. Like, that sounds like an astronomical amount of experience that you'd need in order to gain for skills but that's not actually the way it works on xbox um and so the first four skills that you're going to want to uh, earn in ideals in an ideal situation like playing training the crew on a premium tank it's going to take you about eighty thousand xp per skill uh on pc it's much more than that so uh we have an advantage there and so it's it's that's a lot of xp However, it's, you know, it's doable. Beyond four perks and skills takes a lot more XP. It takes 
uh, what are we at? We're at 160,000 XP, something like that per, uh, per perk or skill. No, it's 108,000. Oh. What's the progression, you know? It's like 108,000 for the first four, and then I think it doubles. Um, so I, I'm sorry, that's what I was basing it on. Like, I was basing it on that about 100,000, but then isn't it 80,000 in a premium tank or an elite tank? It is. Yeah, and so that's what I was getting at. Uh, yeah. I did say it's 80,000. That's crack. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and if, again, if you're playing a tier 5 for like to grind out four perks and skills it's a premium it's an elite tank um so regardless we're we're getting off topic um and we're probably losing listeners uh so (laughs) um i would also i would try and find some tier three and four and five premiums that i liked um and uh and see about picking those up if i had the budget for it um and there are hopefully some offerings in the nations you're interested in. Um, and those tanks aren't like, they're not powerhouses, but the advantage of those premiums is you can just, you can pull a crew from your normal tank right into those premium tanks and um, play, get your double, get a couple thousand XP, hopefully, and then send them back to uh, send them back to their home tank without any kind of penalty or cost. Um, so, you know, that's useful. Um, all right, would you do any, uh, I guess, uh, how quickly would you try and go link up with other people, Matthew? Well. <laughs> um, or how would you find other people to, if you decided you were going to, you know, make an effort to platoon, how would you link up with those people? Well, my usual strategy is to argue with people on the forums and find people that are on the same sides of arguments as I am and then uh, play tanks with them. Mm. Then how are you and I friends? <laughs> I wonder that every day. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say um, definitely visit the forums. One useful thing is like just posting that you're looking for people to platoon with at a certain tier. Um and um and hopefully you find some people that are a good fit and don't be afraid to recognize when there's a bad fit um and hopefully you can play with people that are more experienced um but it's not the worst thing in the world to play with people that are um also new to the game as long as you're both uh or you're all interested in helping each other out that's a big uh that's a big plus um all right, and yeah, and the forums are a great place to get advice in general. Um, some of it good, some of it bad. <laughs> um, all right, so entering the game, we're not going to go through, you know, an orientation to the garage. We're not going to go through an orientation to driving. We're going to recommend that you go and watch all the tutorial videos, and you can also check out uh, our sort of uh, tank academy series on uh, class orientation and all that other sort of stuff we have those very short clips up on our soundcloud feed and our itunes feed um but uh when you start playing the game 
are there some uh, overarching strategies you'd, you'd say new players should uh, uh, start using, Matthew? Um, I mean, like, beyond shoot tanks? Well, yeah, I mean, so that's... Yeah, beyond shooting tanks, yes. <laughs> well, unfortunately for Keystone's... Uh, Keystone's conversation here, I have a very basic strategy. It's shoot tanks, don't get shot by tanks. But, um... Try to put yourself in places where you will get shot at, because the quicker that you figure out what you're doing wrong, the faster you can start doing things right. So if, I, like, if I'm in a situation where I say, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea or not, I usually do it. And it ends terribly. Mm-hmm. And then I never do it again. Yeah, definitely. When things go bad for you, use those as learning experiences. Don't start blaming your team. Even though, I mean, that may be part of it saying, well, my team played poorly. But figuring out why your team, or the way in which your team played poorly, will help you behave better in the future. Um, for example, you may notice that, you know, the heavy tanks on your team, if you have heavy tanks, they go out in the open or they sit in the back of the map and try and snipe, when instead they should be engaging in close battle and maybe an urban area of the map. And you might say, well, they're not doing their job. But the takeaway from that that thought that you had, that recognition that you had, is that when you're in a heavy tank and you've got an urban area on the map, maybe you should be there bullying people and instead of sniping at the back of the map, perhaps. Um, so, so, yeah, that's uh, useful. Um, so, I guess as an addendum to what I was saying, because I wasn't entirely clear... When things go badly, you need to try and recognize if things went badly because you executed poorly, or if things went badly because it was just a bad idea. Or if things so, went badly because the enemy team outplayed you. That's another possibility. Um, I would put that under the execution bad. Okay. So, like, you will, you will see people, you know, trying to camp because when they don't camp, things go badly for them, but camping won't isn't a better strategy. So even if you do something and it goes badly, it might still be good to keep doing it if the problem wasn't what you were doing was bad, but that you did it badly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's um, that's a fair point. Like, it might be worth trying the same thing a couple times, but be aware that it may just be a bad idea. You know, it... Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to see, especially at low tiers, you're going to see what are called lemming trains. You'll see this at high tiers as well. And that's when your entire team seems to go to one area of the map. They may rush at the enemy. They may camp the back. Um, out of those situations, I think camping the back of the map is the absolute worst case scenario because it deprives everyone of, um, it deprives your better concealed tanks of visibility to shoot at targets while remaining undetected. And that's going to sound like a bunch of gibberish to a new player. But suffice to say, if your entire team camps, you know, in one small area at the back of the map, you're giving the enemy team control. Um, but you'll see your your team, like a good example would be a, a map like Cliff. 
and um, new players will see there's like there's a valley on the western side of the map and often your team will storm through the valley regardless of which side they spawn on and that's you know that's sort of the classic lemming train now you'll say to yourself well we're neglecting the other side of the map but it may be a mistake to go to that side of the map by yourself or with only one other person because if the enemy team sends one third of their team there you're going to get wrecked that's just simply the way it's going to go you're going to die in vain in situations where you see your team playing poorly regardless of what they're doing you want to try and optimize for your situation you want to play for your best loss if that makes sense so it might be good to stay a little bit behind the lemming train and shoot at the things that that are shooting at them um you know instead of being at the front of the lemming train so um yeah there's that but in general, when you're new to the game, you want to be in a spot where you can shoot at things a lot without being shot at. Uh, to that end, you also want to develop what's known as map awareness. That's a big thing for new players to work on. And so I don't know, based on the PS4 control scheme, uh, how to get to the larger map. But uh, I think Matthew and I both use the the mini-map version Um so it's a it's a small version of the very large whole map, um, and I used to use the compass rose, but uh, the smaller version actually works pretty well. Um, and so you want to really you want to get a good idea of where your team is at all times. You want to react to the enemy team movements instead of just being surprised by things. So keep checking the map. Um, would you? gravitate towards any particular class of tank right away Matthew or would you just play whatever whatever is in front of you um well I suggested playing the Russian tanks first and I would suggest playing the Russian heavy tanks first because to some extent heavy tanks can be easier to get started playing because they have more situations that are um, almost idiot-proof, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Whereas for medium tanks or tank destroyers might be really good if you are capable of using them, they have less situations that are very hard to get wrong. I think, for example, um, what Matthew might be getting at is, like, for a tank destroyer... Um, it's very important that you understand the mechanics of concealment and you're able to manipulate that. That's sort of the, for generally that's, that's the way tank destroyers are played. And that's sort of a little bit harder to understand than drive at the enemy, use your superior armor um, and health pool to just to kill them before they kill you. That's the idea behind a heavy tank. Whereas a tank destroyer, might have a longer reload time it might have very poor health and it might have minuscule armor so um yeah I, th I think that's that's maybe what you're getting at they're just very straightforward heavy tanks go at the enemy they try and control key areas of the map and uh they use their health and armor as a bit of currency to uh to you know overcome their enemies medium tanks are more like opportunistic. I was talking about map awareness before, and for mediums, you're going to want to be, in general, you're going to want to be 
moving around the map a little bit more and trying to get to weak spots in the enemy tank line. You're going to want to try and get behind the enemies if you can and uh, kind of hit and run a bit more. Um, but those are, that's more of like an advanced skill and you're going to want to, you know, develop as a player before you expect those kinds of moments in a medium tank. Um, well, some part of what I was thinking was that like, if you're a heavy tank, sometimes enemies just can't hurt you. The other thing I was thinking was that it's like one of the most important things to learn when you're starting is where are the important parts of the map. And of the three major classes, medium tanks and tank destroyers kind of want to skirt around the important parts of the map, whereas heavy tanks just kind of want to drive to the important parts of the map. So it's easier to learn where the most important parts of the map are if all you're trying to do is go there. Yeah. Yeah, and we wouldn't want to forget um, artillery. That's, of course, uh, in the game as well. And so, uh, you know, artillery and light tanks, respectively, you know, they really need to know um, the ground of the maps. And you're going to learn that by actually driving it in either a medium or a heavy. Um, but, you know, artillery needs to know... Like, the game will tell you what you can and can't hit, but it's a little easier if you know, first off, where to aim in before the enemy gets there. And uh, and also what positions are worth supporting and what aren't. So, um, and light tanks, you know, again, it's sort of knowing where the enemy is going to go before they go there so that you can recon those areas for your teammates. Um, but... Uh, I have a much simpler advice for playing light tanks. Don't. Yes, yeah, I knew, don't. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, we're not talking about low-tier light tanks. We're talking about uh, scout light tanks. And I, I don't feel the way Matthew feels. I certainly like playing them. And I, I know that he <laughs> likes playing them, too, and he's quite good at it. Um, but he's right that they are at a real disadvantage. And for a new player, you're going to get wrecked if you're playing a, a light tank without a, a, like a good sense of what's going on. Even for not new players. Yes, sometimes that just happens for veteran players. You just simply get wrecked. I think at the end of the day, the most important thing for a new player, whether you've played on PC or not, is just to relax at the low tiers and just realize that you're going to have a lot of bad games. Um, and just don't don't worry about you know your statistics. And don't compare yourself to people that have been playing the game for a very long time. Um you get all of that being awful out of your system um, within, you know, maybe a couple thousand games and then you become okay. And then, you know, maybe a little bit later you become a good player, but it's not, you know, Keystone is scaring people away saying they need to play for 5,000 games before they get good. It's, I'm not trying to say, yeah, I know. I'm not trying to say that, uh, you won't have good games because you will have good games, but you won't be consistently as good. It would surprise me if a new player was consistently as good as a veteran player. Um, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So you and I, Matthew, you're a much better player than I am. But you and I are still both very far towards the the top of the pyramid of players, um, and. I, 
I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. Except that, <laughs> like, it took me a long time to, like, to get, like, the perspective that I have now. Even though I was listening to everyone that, like, was trying to give me advice, it took me a long time to find, like, the good voices to listen to. And so, you know, and it's sort of like taking the advice that you're hearing and comparing it to your own experience and seeing what works and doesn't work um, in order to find, like, the truth and all the noise that that is being thrown around, whether it's in game chat or from your friends um, or on the forums. Um, oh, I, I forgot some advice. Don't listen to game chat. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot of really dumb, made-up stuff in game chat. I'm not even talking about that. Just don't listen to it. No, that's another thing. I have never been happy. I I have never thought in my life, wow, I'm glad that I listened to game chat. Hmm. I've met one or two people that were, um, that became friends, uh, by, by being in game chat. Um, but in general, I agree with you that it's a pretty awful spot. Um, and more often than not, you're going to find like negative people in there. Um, or just connect microphones that are picking up uh, like backfeed from the TV speakers. It's just, it's pretty awful. But um, yeah, you know, every once in a while you find <clears throat> someone with something good to say. All right, Matthew. So uh, why don't we why don't we take turns naming some? Uh, we'll we'll name four must play tanks for new players that they they might want to go for why don't you go first what below tier five or tier five and below um what do you think what's your sort of uh what's your recommendation for like must play tanks well i would have to recommend the kv1s because it has more or less the best armor of tier five heavy tanks it's second best after the kv1 i think and it's very fast, and it has very good guns. It is ridiculous. You should play it. I agree. I agree. Um, so my, I guess, like my bottom pick would be uh, the Matilda, which is a British medium. Now, it's really slow, um, but it's got excellent frontal armor when it's top tier. I mean, often it's impenetrable, depending on... Uh, what's on the enemy team and uh with the top gun i believe that's a two pounder am i right on that um yes. it has an excellent rate of fire even if you have uh, a poorly trained crew it has an excellent rate of fire so uh for me it would be the matilda what's your uh, what's your next recommendation well i really don't want to say the t67 but i really have to say the t67 because it, it it's just it's so fast and it has very good camouflage values and the gun is very good so it's a tier 5 american tank destroyer and it look like it might look bad but it's worth playing and just keep playing it forever like i wouldn't pick that as like the first one i would go for because it takes time for it to get like really good and you have to really learn how to play it well but it is probably the best tier five once you have 
you know, a lot of experience in it and you have a lot of skills on it and it's very fun to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so my, my next recommendation would be, um, well, I'm, I'm going to cheat, Matthew. I'm going to recommend um, the Tier 5 American Medium or Heavy. So either the T1 Heavy or the, um, or the M4. Um, and I lean towards the M4. I've never even played the T1 Heavy on a live server, um, but I know just from its stats that it's it's got very good power-to-weight ratio, so it's actually a surprisingly mobile tank, and it's got a very good health pool and excellent gun, so it's not a slouch. Uh, I like the M4 for its mobility, and it's got a wide range of guns. It's got both a what's known as a derp, that's the 105mm howitzer, um, so it's a short barrel, 105 millimeter, which kind of lobs shots. And then, uh, you know, it's also got, uh, some 76 millimeter offerings that, uh, fire faster, are much more accurate than the howitzer. And even though they do less damage, um, per shot, they have much better penetration values and a shot that doesn't penetrate doesn't do as much damage. So, um, so there's that, um, all right. Well, I think we can agree on the most important tank, like the most obvious tank that every new player should go right towards, and that's the KV-1. You want to describe that, Matthew? The KV-1 is almost invulnerable to all of the Tier 3s in the game, and mostly invulnerable to all of the Tier 4s in the game. And if you play it competently, is very hard for many tier 5s to deal with. And it has a choice of three very good guns to use. And it just, there, there's just so much good about it. It's hard to really say anything more. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, and when we talk about... It's a little bit slow. Yeah, and when we talk about um, a tank having a variety of guns offered, because... Um, like of the the tech tree progression system, it might seem like, you know, the next gun that you unlock is is by default better than the guns that came before it, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to personal preference, and I happen to like the KV one with the fifty seven millimeter because it's the most accurate gun uh, offered on that tank, and it's the fastest firing. Um, but Matthew, what's your preference with the T1? I'm sorry, with the KV1. I like the 85 millimeter because I find that the 57 millimeter is only really good if you're top tier, and the 122 is only really good if you're top tier, and the 85 millimeter isn't really as good if you're top tier as the other guns are, but it's more usable in all situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I just, I mean, and again, it comes down to personal preference. Um, I carry enough premium rounds with the uh, 57 millimeter, and I believe that has 180 millimeters of average penetration, which is quite good. Um, so I don't have a problem when my KV-1 sees tier 7. I didn't mean that you would have a problem because you don't have enough penetration. I meant you wouldn't have, you would have a problem because you're doing 85 damage or shot. Yeah, yeah no, but I mean, I just... I don't automatically go after, you know, uh, tier seven heavies when I'm bottom tier in a KV one. No, absolutely so. not. Um, 
Okay, yeah, and it is a little slow, um, but get used to it. There are slower tanks in the game, and, uh, you know, it can't be all things. Um, the KV-1S is much more mobile. Uh, we already mentioned that one. and um, So the KV-1S, I think, is actually better than the KV-1, but, like, it's not as invulnerable to a lot of tanks you meet because the armor is weaker. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the 57 millimeter, but it still has the 85 and the 122. And the thing that it does is most, like most ridiculous, is using the 122 with a large number of heat rounds, because then it is. It it basically just has a 370 alpha gun at tier five. Yeah, we should just. Um, we should remind our listeners or inform them if they didn't realize this, but there are every tank. Well, most tanks have multiple types of ammunition that they can carry and there's armor piercing and high explosive, but then there's also generally one premium round, um, type. And Matthew was talking about heat. Um, some tanks carry a PCR, um, or, a premium high explosive as their, uh, as their round. Um, but for many of the Russians, it's heat. And, um, so you can buy those rounds with gold, which we do not recommend. If you go into your consumables, um, and a, maybe it's a triangle button, it's whatever the top button is on the, actually, I don't know. Uh, I can be, I can be more simple than that keystone. It's whatever button is written at the bottom <laughs> of the screen that says switch consumable price or something switch currency effect. is what it says in english yes. and so um change your currency from gold to silver and then you can buy those premium rounds with in-game silver don't ever spend gold there's no reason to spend gold on on premium consumables whether it's ammo or anything else um if for some reason you wanted to spend gold on it you can just convert your gold to silver and buy it with silver that way yeah yeah that's true um, yeah, so well, we got that covered. Um, all right, so we picked our, our top five must plays. That was the, uh, Matilda, the KV-1S, the T-67, uh, probably the M4 or T-1 Heavy, and lastly, the KV-1. Uh, but now, Matthew, let's talk about some premiums that PlayStation 4 players can expect to see that shouldn't be missed um do you want to name a couple must-haves if if they're offered in the store uh they are in a must-have okay <laughs> um i think what matthew's getting at is that none of the premium tanks like lead to any other tanks um but it, it's really a matter of like do you find uh, I guess premium tanks have the benefit of training crews at a sort of accelerated rate, not really, but um, they're good for training crews, they're good for making silver, and uh, they're good for stacking up experience pretty quickly. Um, but they're not essential, and you will get a couple for free, I'm sure, if you play for long enough. Wargaming isn't stingy with them, they do give some away as rewards. Um, simply for logging in once in a while. What I was thinking, what I was, what I was really thinking was, most of the rare premiums are replaceable by tech tree premiums. 
pretty much the only one that isn't is the T3488, which I would probably recommend if it was in the store. Other than that, you can just buy one of the Tech Tree, tech tree Premiums and pretty much be just as well off. Uh, yeah, I well, there are... Um... I don't think there's a comparable tank to the Panzer V4 in in Tech Tree premiums. Uh, so okay. Well, I wouldn't miss it, but that's me. All right. Um, we have to give more than that. We can't just like like oh yeah, you know. Um, well, there are some good Tech Tree premiums you should pick up, but I'm just saying there are no really. Other than the T thirty four eighty eight, all of the rare premiums are very replaceable. I'm not. I'm not talking about exclusively rare. It might seem like I'm talking about. Um, so let me clarify. Um, yeah, I just I don't want to be um, confusing to our listeners. So there are two types of premiums. Um, there are rare premiums which are offered for a limited time and um, have a bit of an inflated price, and then there are tech tree premiums. Uh, which can be bought at any time, and often will go on sale. Well, not often, but can be found on sale during sale events. Um, it is not uncommon for sale events to have some premiums discounted. It may be uncommon for an, for a premium tank to be discounted. What tanks in the tech tree, what premiums do you recommend? So, Tier 5 premiums are not uncommonly put on discount. If they aren't on discount, you shouldn't buy them. If they are on discount, almost all of the tier 5 premiums are worth buying because like on discount tier 5 premiums are very good value. Very, very good. I, yeah. I don't really have much more to say about that. Yeah, um, neither, do, neither do I except um, like we had said the the French and American and Russian tanks were those nations. We gravitated towards those. Um, and the Russians have a great and actually excellent, um, stable of, of premium tanks. The Churchill three to me stands out as one, even if it wasn't on sale at 50% off, I think it, it's a fine buy. Um, if you're looking for an early Russian, like crew trainer and premium, uh, premium tank if you don't get one for free um i recommend the churchill three even at i would non-discounted price i would also recommend the churchill three yeah whereas whereas every other one i would say just wait until they go on discount even if you have to wait like a year you might just want to buy a churchill three because it's very playable and it is a very reasonable tank yes yes um I would say in the American tech tree, I mean, it comes down to the Ram 2 or the T-14. Like, if you were if you were insisting on having an American uh, premium to train crews on, uh, I mean, I, I th so I got both of those for free. Um, and I think our PS4 beta players will get a Locust for free coming out of beta. So it's not worth mentioning that, really. I, I don't know, maybe the... I think the Ram 2 is probably a little more versatile um, than the T-14. What do you think? Uh, the Ram 2 is bad, don't buy it. The T-14 is great. People just underrate it entirely, and 
Well, great is a bit of a stretch. It is very average. But it is not bad. People say it is bad, and it is not. You're right. And actually, um, early on, you know, they're going to be coming out of beta. They're going to have, by and large, a very new community in the PS4, um, on the PS4 servers. And most of those players will be unaware of how to penetrate the T14. Um, and so, you know, when you're top tier in a T14, um, you're very, very powerful. So, yeah, I, you might be right. that I, I was kind of on the fence, and I think that with its preferential matchmaking, where it doesn't see above tier 6, um, it's got very good armor for what it is, and especially if people don't know about the gun port on the front of it, um, the little machine gun port. Um, As Keystone just gives it away. Well, I want our listeners to know where to penetrate it. <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't keep secrets from them. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I I think it's it's a good early buy. Later on, it's, you know, kind of so-so. Um, Still better than the Ram 2. Yeah, it probably is. Um, but I, I like both of them. I play both of them. They're fine. Um uh, you know, there are a few other, um, the Locust isn't bad. I, I like playing the Locust like a medium. All right, so we covered tier five premiums and, and below. Um, and again, if you have more questions about any particular tank, go to YouTube and go to the forums and get some feedback, get some perspective on what that tank's going to be like before you pull the trigger on buying it. You have a wealth of information in front of you. Even if the tank just came out, someone else will be the first person to buy it and share their experience, and just be the benefit of their gain or loss. Um, yes, I have to agree. Always let someone else make a bad decision for yeah. you. Yeah, or tell you that it's the right decision to make. But look at the objective facts about the tank. Not, oh, it's great, I love this tank. Look at, you know, you want to hear good and bad things. If someone's not sharing both of those things, they're probably not giving you an honest opinion of the tank. Um, um, I also... Like, I don't say this to say anything against Wargame because they are a fine company and I don't think there's anything wrong with them. But occasionally there are people that complain that, like, oh, the advertising was misleading. It's advertising. Its job is to sell the tank. That's, yeah, no, it's... That's all I, that's all I want to yeah, say. I, I actually agree with that completely. They're not trying to tell you it's a bad tank. However, yeah. they will be upfront and they will say, not in the advertising that's trying to tell trying to sell you the tank. But Wargaming is pretty clear. Most premium tanks, compared to their tech tree counterparts, are a little bit less powerful in in gameplay. However, they benefit like with additional silver returns, additional XP usually, um, and the often preferential matchmaking, and all of the other wonderful things that go along with owning a premium tank. So just don't expect them to be actually better than their, like, their tier doppelgangers, if you will, um, because they usually are a little bit inferior. All right, let's, let's move on a little bit. So there are higher tier premiums. Now, right away, there are a number of reasons why you shouldn't go out and in your first week of playing buy a tier 8 premium um, namely because you will not know how to play against the uh, the enemies and you will have a very bad time um, I would say because you don't want to you know spend a lot of money on the game before you figure out if you like it or not that's that's the other aspect of it you know the tier 8 premiums I believe the cheapest one 
right now is the super Pershing. Um, and that's still what, $30, something like that. Um, that's a lot of money to put into the game for one particular item. Um, it's not that it's a bad value, but you've got the benefit of time and just take your time and make sure this is the right game for you and, and then decide whether or not a tier eight premium is the right thing. But I, I still think wait until you actually naturally get to tier eight or nine before you go and buy a, a, a tier eight premium or any premiums above, um, tier five, quite frankly, the thing of it is, is that tier eight premiums in general are very good at producing silver. So for me, like the Yag Tiger 88, I'll, I might average, you know, a hundred thousand silver, uh, per game playing that tank with a premium account, but I know how to use that tank. There are people that do much better than that. And there are people that do a heck of a lot worse. Um, so, uh, you know, when you're, if you're not a good player, the premium tanks are not going to really work out for you all that well. I mean, the, the tier eight premiums, but when you get some competence in the game, a tier eight premium can be like an ATM where you're, uh, what I think what Keystone is trying to say is you shouldn't look at any premium tank and say this, like I'm a bad player, but this will make me good. Yeah, that's yeah, very true. Um, so, you know, the other thing is that you probably, I mean, this is just my perspective on it. I really only wanted to buy one tier eight premium at first. And that's because, <laughs> but let me, Matthew's laughing because I recently splurged on a few tier eight premiums. But the thing that is, is that the tier eight premiums, um, I don't view them as crew trainers. I view them as um, money makers. So for me, I spent whatever, $50 or whatever to get my Tiger 88 when it was at a discount. Um, and I was very happy with that purchase and very happy that I, that I purchased that tank. I don't even think I used premium time when I bought it. So it still returns very good silver, even without a premium account. But the thing is that I don't want to spend, you know, if there are seven, um, tier eight premiums and they're all $50, I don't want to spend $350 to essentially get, you know, seven different versions of an ATM. It's you only really need one tier eight premium unless you really want some others. However, if you really enjoy the game and you, um, you want some higher level crew trainers for training crews that already have sixth sense and brothers in arms and whatnot, um, you know, feel free to buy tier eight premiums and, you know, any of the tier eight premiums and they're all interesting and good in their own unique ways. And they all have flaws as well. Um, so again, I mean, the takeaway from what we're saying about tier eight premiums is do not buy one right away. Uh, make sure that this is the game for you and, uh, and actually get to tier eight or tier nine on your own naturally. Um, uh, what other premium content, uh, might our listeners want to keep an eye out for? I like, I like how Keystone didn't ask me which one I recommended because he knew I would just say, they're all bad except for the IS6. <laughs> They're not all bad. They're just all different. They're just all worse than the IS6. You're right. Sorry. Well, some people have um, 
a different perspective on the IS-6. It, I don't share this, this point of view, but some people think that the IS-6 is really bad at making silver because of its poor penetration on its non-premium AP round, and they feel that you have to use premium more often than not, and I haven't had that experience, and I don't agree with that idea in general anyway. I think you're going to make decent silver, um, regardless if you're a good player. But um, that's their perspective. That's out there. It's worth mentioning. But the IS-6 is wonderful in terms of its armor. People just literally won't be able to do things to you uh, in many situations, and you can just abuse that. So, is that your uh, your viewpoint? Yes, the key, the IS-6 is better than all of the others. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yes, it is true that you can expect to make less money without a premium account than you would with others, because your uh, expenses tend to be higher than with other tanks. Yeah. I know a lot of people that like the Super Pershing because it's one of the lower-priced ones. Its armor fools a lot of people. Um, it's not mobile, you know, and it doesn't have an amazing gun, but it it works, right? And like the IS-6, when you switch to premium, you get a nice big boost to penetration, and it helps you deal with things, and it's got preferential matchmaking, and, you know... Again, every single one of the tier 8 premiums has its pros and cons, and all of that information is available. It's already um, in the wiki, it's in YouTube videos, or you can just ask people on the forums or read what's already been written. So, um, you know, that's all out there for the taking. What about other premium content? Um, I'll tell you, uh, you know, when I started, I think coming out of beta, I bought $50 worth of gold with the idea that that's about what I would put into the game in total, like initially at least, um, that it was worth, you know, I liked the game I played for months in beta and uh, I felt it was worth, you know, full title cost at least. So I used most of that $50 to buy um, uh, garage slots when they were on sale. They are often bundled in 10 packs at a 50% discount. So that means they're 150 gold each. Um, and I like having a, a little bit of wiggle room there with garage slots because it means that, you know, you're going to get to keep tanks uh, that you just want to hold on to. I have, unfortunately, I have like 175 garage slots now. So that's many more than most people would ever even like imagine owning. Um, but I think, you know, getting 10 or 20 garage slots in addition to what you start out with you're probably going to want that that many at least if you're serious about playing the game. Um, you can buy permanent camouflage using gold, and uh, I recommend doing that for most of your premium tanks except your premium heavies if you're going to keep them. What about you? Well, if you are like trying to do things in the most cost-effective ways, I would I would just knock. Um, because, like, it does give you a bit of a benefit, but it's, it's also not very cost-effective. Um. When, so. I would, I would agree, though, garage slots are a good way to spend it on. I mean, I would just want to interject, right? Like, I think 
and we're probably in agreement on this, whether it's premium tanks, premium time, or premium whatever, you want to spend money on the game in a way that makes it more satisfying for you to play. And you don't want to spend money <laughs> for any other reason. So, you know, for me, one of the things that frustrates me is trying to keep up with, like, silver and trying to make enough silver to buy the things that I've just unlocked. Um, and so what I realized is that if I was playing eight different tanks, like trying to progress in eight different tanks, um, essentially at the same time, keeping camouflage using silver, keeping camouflage in all those tanks was costing me quite a large amount of silver every single month. And then, you know, you add to that your premium tanks, which you're always going to have, you're not going to get rid of, um, it just, your, like, operating costs go way up with camouflage. So for me, it was like, okay, <clears throat> by waiting until camouflage is on sale at a 50% discount, and then applying it to, you know, permanent camouflage to the tanks I was, that I never intend to sell, makes a lot of sense. It's just one less thing I need to earn silver for. And so, you know... I don't. I don't disagree that it makes sense. I just don't think it's the most cost-effective thing you can do. Um, yeah, maybe. I. I guess I would. I would say, you know, for you it might be right. For me, it was much more cost-effective to, to get the permanent camo. But like, you know, I think just do a little analysis. Look at what your monthly expenses are in terms of silver. And see what the benefit would be if you switch to permanent camo using gold or whatever. Um, uh, okay, premium time. Um, is it so important to have premium time, you know, at lower tiers? No, it's not. Um, is it beneficial? Yeah. I just want to interject for a moment. Yeah. People... Like, one of the problems people have with premium time is that it counts down, like, in, it's a subscription service, not a pay-as-you-use service. So people might question if it's worth it, but it is just, if you were to only play on the weekends, say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you might think the most cost-effective thing to do is to buy, you know, the three days of premium every time you do that. When actually, you still, it is still less expensive to buy a month of premium, even if you only play on the weekends. Yeah. We've said previously, and I'm just going to pull this one back. If you're going to buy premium time, never buy any unless you're buying at least a month. And, you know, that's, that's it. Matthew and I, well, Matthew hasn't done this again, but um, I buy my premium time by the year. And, uh, you know... He, at any point in time, it's about twenty-five cents a day if you if you just buy the full year. Um, but wargaming, like for two years now, they've put it on sale at fifty percent off on Black Friday. So you know you can keep that in mind um, and take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, premium time is a you know it's a great thing to have, and you should look at it like. And again, we're not sponsored by Wargaming, so we have no... I mean, they give us some codes to give away, and they give us a little bit of stuff for putting this podcast out. But we're not shills for Wargaming, and so 
you know, I, I'm just, I think that premium time equates to like the price of a movie, even if you just buy it at like, you know, a month at a time. And so how much satisfaction do you get from seeing a movie? You get about two hours of entertainment and you're going to get way more than that if you buy a month of premium time. So that's it for me. I mean, that's where I, um, that's where I fall on it. Uh, and obviously you make much more silver when you're using uh, premium time and you earn XP faster. Uh, anyway, there are a couple premium tanks, rare premiums that have like just a really unique, um, characteristic about them and like the t3488 is a russian slash german premium meaning it can train um crews from both nations um and it has a spectacular crew training uh, i'm sorry it has a spectacular experience multiplier to it um it's not the only one that's like that the amx chaffee which is a light tank um is an american and french crew trainer um both of those are rare you're not necessarily going to have the opportunity to buy them at, at all times but once in a while they will appear and so you want to keep an eye out for really unique um premiums that distinguish themselves that like would be would fit with what you're trying to accomplish um in your own game so i wouldn't like one thing with premiums is don't buy a premium in like a slow tank destroyer when you hate slow tank destroyers, regardless of how good that premium tank seems like it is or how much your friends love it or how well they do in it. If you don't like that style of tank, then don't, don't buy a premium. Um, that, that fits with that description. Sound about right. Well, I mean, I would say that if you can't bring it in yourself to love the IS-6, find a way to love it. <laughs> I know that slow, inaccurate Russian heavy tanks may not be for everyone, but they should be. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. You love the IS-6. And I kind of do, too. I just I recently picked it up, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You can cut that part. I'm not going to. I'm going to leave that in. My part. My part with the eyes. No, I'm going to leave that in. It's fine. It's entertaining. Um, All right. I don't know. Uh, But yes, definitely pick a premium tank that fits with how you like to play. Even if it's not the IS-6, playing the premium that you are comfortable with will be better than the one I'm telling you is the best. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we let our listeners go, uh, we just want to leave them with some parting words of advice. I think for me, for new players, it's very important to remember that tier 10 is not the goal of playing the game. Like just getting there as quickly as possible is not something you should strive for for a number of reasons. Like you should enjoy the tank that you're playing in the battle you're in. Um, and so that that's my advice. Matthew, what about you? To, as an addendum to what Keystone has said, there have been times when I've played a tank just to get to the next one, but never a time when I've played a tank just to get to the end. My advice, well, you're going to make mistakes when you play this game, and you shouldn't like you shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. Making mistakes is how you learn to do better. Absolutely. 
Um, okay, well, so that's our special episode for the PlayStation 4 listeners and anyone else who happens to catch it. Um, I want to give a little quick shout-out to the Beard Guys, who have a wonderful YouTube channel. They're also part of Club Wargaming, and uh, I feel like those guys are a great counterpart to our, our podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, so if you want to check out um, Don Thomo's wonderful uh, uh, new player guides, you really should. I, I, I can't recommend them enough for, for new players. Um, and there are other channels, but I think that's where you should start. Um, okay, well, this has been another episode of Talking Tanks. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, I'm not sure I should thank you, Keystone. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Keystone. Yeah. That's typical Matthew. Thank you. Thank you listeners for listening to okay. us. Uh, tune in again and uh, subscribe on iTunes. We'll be back with more episodes of Talking Tanks. Take care.